Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. Storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world today is Friday, August 6th. I don't know how else to say this, so I will be blunt with you listeners to start today's show. I f***ing love my job. To have the opportunity to be in person here in Washington, D.C. for the 2021 City Open, it has been the experience of experiences. Most importantly, to feel the energy that so many fans on the grounds have carried with them throughout the course of this event. That excitement, that enthusiasm to watch in-person tennis, it's been absolutely palpable, and I think I think we've seen the players throughout the course of this week feed off of that energy as well. In particular, when you look at this 2021 City Open, we have now reached the quarterfinal stages of the event. We have four Americans in the event, and I do think you see the way guys like Stevie Johnson, guys like Mackie McDonald, obviously a guy like Jensen Brooksby. I might as well name all four because, of course, I'm not going to exclude the hometown favorite in Dennis Kudlaw. All four of the Americans have done such an excellent job of embracing the crowds that truly are just so, so excited to see in-person tennis once again. Of course, the energy in the building for any Rafael Nadal match has been unlike anything I've ever experienced in person as a tennis fan. I was there in Orlando for the 2021 National Championship watching Florida fans propel their Gators to that title. I thought that moment would never be usurped in my mind. Usurped in my mind, excuse me. And now I've seen Rafael Nadal play in person, and that is an experience I want to talk about on today's show because there's just an energy to Rafael Nadal that unless you see in person, I just don't think you can fully understand through the television screen. So, of course, I want to talk about his match, even in a loss yesterday to Lloyd Harris. It was obviously one of the notable matches on the grounds here in D.C. I also do want to talk about all of the Americans having
having success this week, how we got four to the quarterfinal stages. Of course, it's not just D.C. in terms of the action this week across the professional tennis world. We've got three WTA events, two of them happening here in the United States in San Jose and in Concord. We've got a WTA event in Romania. A couple of challengers as well want to set the scene for all of you listeners as we approach another championship weekend in the professional tennis world. Of course, I will guarantee to all of you, not a guarantee, no, a guarantee. We rock like the 04, 05, 03, 04 Pistons, boy. Um, but of course, I am guaranteeing there will be mini break podcasts. I apologize for the lack of GSPs. It's just hard to balance multiple podcasts while trying to make all of these press appearances. And of course, if you haven't read my questions to many of these players at the City Open, you can find all of my questions, all of their responses on my Twitter feed at GreatShotPod. We'll try and get all of them assembled, have super producer Daniel Westoff post them in an article on the website CrackRackets.com. Yesterday, had the opportunity to sit down and speak with both Dennis Kudla and with Mackie McDonald as well. You can find both of those conversations on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. But again, going to be a DC focus here on this show as I am on the grounds, but do want to talk about that other action happening elsewhere in the tennis world as well, of course. Before I can get to any of that, the reason I am, I have to remind you, the reason I am able to do these podcasts day in, day out here on this show, the reason I am able to come to D.C. for a week and enjoy some fantastic in-person tennis is because of the support we get from all of you sincerely from our Crack Rackets Patreon family. I have to give a huge shout out to my high school doubles partner, Patrick Adams. And again, shout out to the tennis community, a doubles partnership. That's real love, folks. He's allowed me to stay in his studio uh, apartment this week. I don't know if it's called the studio apartment. I don't think that's the right terminology. In his apartment this week. Uh, and certainly I'm, I'm doing a little house sitting as he heads back home. So immensely grateful to you, Patrick. Love you very much. Shout out to you. Shout out to doubles partners, folks. Again, you never know when that relationship is going to help you in the real world. So as always, you should treat a doubles partner like you would any significant other. But of course, the last shout out I have to get before we get into today's mini break podcast, unless you guys want to hear five more minutes on my relationship with Patrick and how we succeeded as a doubles duo. You know, in the state round of 16 state quarterfinals, we won both of those matches 0-0 and then 0-0. And then in the state semifinals, do you know the, the opponents hooked us four times in a row? And I've never seen our assistant coach get more upset than he was during that match. And I want to be clear. We won the first set 6-1. We were up 2-1 in the second set when they hooked us four times in one game. It was atrocious, but our coach gets furious and all Patrick and I can do is laugh. And then I go, don't worry, Ed, name of our coach. I go, Ed, I got you. Watch this. Only time in my life I've hit four aces in one game. It was the biggest joke of jokes. Anyways, again, no more talks on me and Patrick and our doubles history. The last thing I want to say before I get into today's show is, of course, the reason we are able to do this day in, day out is because of the support we get from our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com. You can find all the best equipment at all the best prices. Super excited to get to hang out with our friends at Tennis Point at the 2021 Western and Southern Open. It is a tentative quarterfinal Friday. Let me say that again for you listeners in case you are planning to attend the Western Southern Open. Quarterfinal Friday, we're hoping to do a live show with our friends at Tennis Point. Tennis Point, one of the major sponsors of the Western Southern Open. You'll see their tent on site, all the merchandise, all the gear available for you. We're hoping to have some fun on site, do a live show, bring in some fellow journalists, knock on wood, a player or two as well. If that's something you're interested in, be on the lookout for more information. But again, if you need to update your equipment, 
best gear, best rackets, best clothing, all in one spot, tennis-point.com. You use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders, exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Again, that's tennis-point, the symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, let's get into Thursday's matches from across the professional tennis world. And of course, place I'm going to start is in Washington, D.C. As I mentioned, I am here on the grounds for this 2021 City Open. We have now reached the quarterfinal stage, I suppose, of all of these tournaments as it is Friday. And it's, you know, Friday, quarterfinals, Saturday, semifinals, Sunday, finals. I think all of you know the cadence, the rhythm of the professional tennis schedule at this point, but of course, was a super fun round of 16 day on the grounds. All eight singles matches uh, played on one day, and you know, the place we have to start is the upset of the day. Lloyd Harris, the ATP number 50, entering this week's event, earns the win of his career, a 6-4-1-6-6-4 upset victory over top seed Rafael Nadal in what was your nightcap on center court. I suppose Coco Goff played Vika afterwards, but it was, you know, that was an exhibition match. So this was your nightcap of the City Open action. And I mean, look, to, let's start with the Rafa component. And I know I tweeted this out yesterday and I think it's the most liked tweet I've ever sent. And clearly, by the way, I understand why Gil does his three, 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 three show and why so many people program to talk specifically about the big three because the big three are the most captivating names in all of tennis. I would argue you throw Serena in there as well. It's a big four. Those are the four names. If you're talking about them, tennis fans will be gravitated towards whatever you're saying. And I can completely understand why, in particular, the in-viewing experience for Rafael Nadal is unlike anything I've experienced as a tennis fan. There's just an energy to Rafa. He plays every point as if it's the last point he's ever going to play and as if it's the point that is going to clinch him another Grand Slam championship. There is not an ounce of quit in Rafael Nadal. And I don't mean to compare, you know, you don't need to compare Rafa to Djokovic and Federer to appreciate what he is doing. But there is no denying it's a singular quality about Rafael Nadal that few others shares. There's no tanking in him. He plays every point with the same 120% intensity. And look, that's why he's one of the greatest champions in tennis history. And you look at his performance, it's also, though, why his foot gets a little bit banged up. It's why he's had to deal with so many injuries because of that intensity, because of that effort. It's just, it's going to be tough on your body. And look, a lot of people, there were, there's murmurs on the grounds, is Rafa even going to play this match? We saw him laboring with that right foot. We saw, or excuse me, with his foot. We saw him laboring throughout his first match against Jack Sock. And, you know, again, is it worth it for him? Does he want to play risk for their injury with so many big titles, in particular the U.S. Open, right around the corner. And look, I mean, I don't think that was the issue for Rafa. I thought today was absolutely a step forward, and I had the opportunity to ask him as as much after... Uh, the match in the post-match presser, I said, you know, in your first match, you talked in particular, you said he was unhappy with his serving performance. He was unhappy or, you know, and he was really focused on managing his pain as well. And so I wanted to ask him, those were the two things you talked about on round one. You were focused on how was your foot in round two? And then most importantly, you know, how did you think you improved on serving? Credit to Rafa, candid as always. He said, as I said before, and some of you may have seen this quote go viral on tennis Twitter, I won't lie. A little bit flattered to know that I asked the question, of course. Healthy ego boost. I also, 
now understand why journalists are like, you're not going to say who asked that question. You're not going to give me credit for drawing that response. I know that's completely an ego thing. I don't really care. Um, but you may notice me now trying to give credit to more people on Twitter as they ask the question. I'm just trying to figure out the ins and outs of journalism, and I think I've slowly started to do that. Anyways, that's some inside baseball for all of you. Rafa goes, as I said before, the best news, the foot was better than yesterday. I was able to move a bit better, so that is very important, especially for me personally, to keep enjoying the sport and keep having energy, believing that important things are possible. That is absolutely wonderful news to hear if you are a Rafael Nadal fan. But then on the flip side, he said, look, I need to keep improving. I didn't have, honestly, two months easy. I had a lot of problems with my foot. I wasn't able to practice all the days that I really wanted, but I did as much as I could. I tried really hard here. Sweetest man in the world. He goes, sorry for the defeat. Sorry for the tournament that it makes me feel amazing since the beginning, but that's the sport. I try very hard, as everybody knows, but was not enough. Only thing I can do is congratulate my opponent and just keep going. I'm going to keep trying to practice the proper way and give myself a chance to be better soon. He's the epitome of class, the epitome of sportsman, the epitome of effort. My affinity for Rafael Nadal, and I try to, I mean, I. I'm not going to lie to you listeners and say, oh, I'm, I'm an impartial journalist now. I don't root for anyone. I don't have preferences. I don't let my personal feelings cloud my judgment as it comes to tennis. That's bullshit. Anyone who offers you that as a journalist is just lying because every... I mean, every person views things from their perspective. There, I, while there are objective truths, we're not going to get into this right now. The point being, uh, Rafael Nadal. Wow. We, we, hey, hashtag. You know, at great shot. If you want me to do ten minutes on objective truths versus subjective truths, but the point being, um, you look at Rafael Nadal. He's very honest with himself. Very blunt. And the truth is, he didn't serve well enough. He wasn't able to create enough depth in the course. Wasn't able to play enough offense to disrupt the rhythm of Lloyd. Harris and you look for Lloyd Harris who now on this season he's 25 and 11 in hard court matches 35 and 22 overall so he's 10 and 11 outside of hard courts 25 and 11 on the hard courts of course he made that final in Dubai earlier this season before losing to Aslan Karatsev he's now 4 and 1 on the season against top 20 opponents all of those matches coming on hard courts you look at the advanced metrics for Lloyd Harris he's holding serve 83 uh, excuse me he's holding serve 82% of the time over his last 52 weeks that's good for 22nd amongst top 50 players on the ATP tour and i think you watch Harris again a lot of epitome of the modern player, six foot six, massive serve that can hit 125 to 140 with ease. Massive, massive forehand. And I thought in this match in particular, he did such a good job of finding that forehand, much like Jack Sock did in the first round, whether it was, you know, standing six to ten feet behind the baseline to hit forehand returns or, you know, moving beyond that again, just getting around that ball, taking that forehand early, playing plus one tennis, getting to the net, putting pressure on Rafa, forcing him to be in the outer thirds, forcing him to be on his back foot. And look, when Rafa was able to hit first serves, be the aggressor, he was a completely different player. And you look at the stats from the match, they reflect as much for Rafael Nadal yesterday. Again, it was a pretty successful day for him. Uh, on his first serve, he ends up winning, I believe, 78% of his first serve points, 40 of 51, but, you know, only 14 of 30 on his second serve points, and Lloyd Harris, you know, won 77% of his first serve points as well, and, you know, look, Rafa had his breakpoint chances. He created, I believe, uh, six breakpoint chances uh, versus Lloyd Harris, who created only three, but in the biggest moments, in the biggest scene, 
Lloyd was able to hit the ball big. And then you come down to that final 5-4 game in the third set. I mean, it's 30-40 for Rafa. He has a sitting-on-top-of-the-net approach shot that clips the net tape. And it sits up, and it gives Lloyd Harris a clean look at a forehand, and he hits the first forehand cleanly. Now Rafa is able to get his backhand on it, but the match point, uh, the passing shot, the second one is a lob over the head of Rafa. Brilliant execution from Lloyd Harris to get the job done. Again, two of three on break points. It's not as though you look at the total points in this match. I believe Rafa ends up winning more total points, 83 to Lloyd Harris's 79. Rafa's right there, and again, to see him bounce back physically, and he did talk about feeling better today versus in his first round match. That's all that matters coming out of this City Open if you are a Rafael Nadal fan. But on the flip side, if you're Lloyd Harris, man, I mean, again, quarterfinals here. In Washington, he has been a different player. He has been a top 30, uh, top 30, top 50. I mean, look, if you're winning 70% of your matches on hard courts, how often do we say 70%? It's really two-thirds. We call it the two-thirds rule. But if you're winning more than two-thirds of your matches at any given level, it's time for you to go up a notch in the rankings. Now, that's two-thirds of your futures. You're going to play the challengers. If you're winning two-thirds of your matches at the challengers, you're probably starting to be ready to sniff ATP qualifying, get into some 250s, maybe win a match or two at the Grand Slams. On hard courts, Lloyd Harris has advanced past that stage. We should see him on a hard court, at hard court events, have success at the ATP level. Not the challenger level, the ATP level. The serve's that good, the weapons are that big, the fitness has caught up, 24 years old, number 50 in the world. It makes sense that Lloyd Harris, again, this solid on a hard court, and you look for Lloyd Harris here during this 2021 season, number 63 in 2021 ELO. You look for him overall now, Lloyd Harris currently number 51 in overall ELO. I'm curious what he is in terms of hardcore ELO. You look for Lloyd Harris. I imagine he's got to be a little higher than you would expect. Yeah, he is a top 30 guy on hard courts and honestly via the ELO ratings. And honestly, I think that's about right. With his serve, his forehand, his weapons, two out of three sets here. I do think three out of five, Rafa finds a way to come back. But two out of three sets, guy is absolutely dangerous. Again, that serve is just going to keep him alive in matches, and then he's got the weapons, the decisiveness, the fluidity for his size to compete at the ATP level. Super impressed by Lloyd Harris. Again, no panic button if you're a Rafael Nadal fan. I thought this was Washington, D.C. was a step forward for him, and shout out to the D.C. crowd who embraced Rafa in a way I have never seen a player embraced by any crowd. I mean, they loved him. Everything. The oohs, the ahs, the groans after every point. It was as if they didn't realize, you know, hey, one point in a tennis match is actually not the most significant thing, particularly one point, a throwaway point at two all in the first set. Like, don't need to worry about that one. No need for the oohs and the ahs. No, this crowd was ooing and eyeing. Super, super fun match. Ultimately, Lloyd Harris advances to the quarterfinals, where now he's got a date with 2015, I believe, City Open champion Kei Nishikori. I know Nishikori's won the title before. I don't remember if it was 15. might have been 14, but he earns a 3-6-6, 3-6-3 win over 2021's most improved player on the ATP Tour, Cam Nori. You look for Nishikori. was the discipline was the fitness. It was super hot out there. Court's playing a little bit quicker in those conditions. And look, Nori's going to move the ball around so well on a hard court. He's going to yank you into the outer thirds. He's going to, you know, slowly but surely create a little bit more space, a little bit more space, a little bit more space before going down the line and taking advantage of that space, taking the ball early. And yet, 
Nishikori did a great job of neutralizing that fact. Nishikori did a great job of sticking to his plays, executing plus one tennis. He, you know, wins, uh, makes 68% of his first serves, but perhaps most impressively wins 62% of his first serve points. 67% of his second serve points creates 12 breakpoint chances for himself, and most impressively, goes 19 of 27 on Cam Norrie's second serve points. Again, he was just in the moment, you know, because that the Cam Norrie second serve, which, by the way, Norrie made 72% of his first serves. He only hit 27 second serves out of a total, you know, of 95 serves in the match. So roughly 30% of his serves were second serves. That's a pretty good number if you're Cam Norrie. Uh, and yet, the moment Nishikori got that easy plus one ball went big with the return and just got Nori on his back foot right away. And while Cam is fine on his back foot, you just can't be playing back foot tennis against Kane Nishikori even at this stage of his career because when he plays his best, he's going to be hitting through you. He is an aggressive baseliner. He is on top of that baseline. This is a really nice result for Kane Nishikori, who certainly, again, 30, 31 years old, or 32 maybe now, just he's dealt with so many different injuries over the course of his career. 31 years old, there we go, turns 32, I believe, in December and yet 31 is, like, not old. Like, can we be honest? In modern tennis, not old at all. And, you know, if I told you 31-year-old Novak Djokovic was old, you'd be like, well, look what he did at age 34. So clearly not. Um, and I'm not saying that he's going to age that well, particularly given all the injuries Nishikori has suffered. But, I mean, if he can play a stretch of three months consecutively healthy, is there any reason to think he's not a guy who could make the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open this year? I say no. And so, again, that Harris-Nishikori match, certainly one to look forward to. In terms of your All-American battle on the day, it's going to be Mackie McDonald, who firmly now ensconced himself into uh, ensconced into the top 100 uh, once again. He earns a 6-4, 6-4 win over Ilya Ivashka. Ivashka had beaten him twice during the clay court season, but you could tell on the hard courts, Mackie's ability to just catch the ball a little bit earlier, absorb and redirect that top spin that Ivashka provided him. And then, of course, you watch Mackie McDonald play. I promise you, you are not going to find a guy who is, I don't want to say more captive, uh, you know, or a uh, is, you know, you're just not going to find a guy who does at, oh, you may find one or two, but his ability to catch the ball early on the rise, play aggressive tennis, his ability to absorb and redirect your pace. I, I could watch Mackie hit four hands all day. It's that delightful in his ability to absorb, redirect on the serve. It was just, he he broke Ivashka in the very first game of the match, got broken back, I believe, for either two, uh, three, two or three all in that first set. But after that little blip, it was all Mackie from there. He played one bad game in the course of an hour and a half straight set match victory. And again, that is the sort of recipe of a top 100 player. And there's a reason we all considered him that sort of talent. He is a top 100, I'd argue a top 25 athlete pound for pound on the ATP tour. And again, just great to see him healthy. Hopefully just he can finish this season healthy because for him playing 12 consecutive months of healthy tennis, that's been a difficult thing for him early in his career. And we all know when healthy, he's got the talent He's got a very winnable match, certainly, in his quarterfinal against uh, Dennis Kudla, who knocked off Brandon Nakashima, ended his run 3-6-7-6-6-4. Nakashima had, a, I think, a bunch of different set points and break points. Uh, I think break points, excuse me, in set number two. It might have even been had a couple of match points in the 4-5 service game of Dennis Kudla in that second set, but Kudla able to hold, able to take that second set breaker and talking to Kudla after the match. And, you know, all of you can go listen to his thoughts on the Cracked Interviews podcast right now, but he said, look, 
Brandon played three weeks consecutively, I wasn't playing Brandon the player. I was playing Brandon the athlete. I was playing Brandon the, I've played three weeks of tennis. I need to make this match track meet. I need to make this match physical. I need to just be on court as long as humanly possible. Because Dennis Kudlow, at 28, 29 years old, is in his physical prime and can outlast a 19, 20-year-old Brandon Nakashima. And I thought it was a really good game plan from Kudlow. And I asked him because, you know, Dennis Kudlow is a guy who usually walks on the court and has the best backhand on the court, right? And respectfully against Brandon Nakashima, that's just not going to be the case for anyone. Like, you're just going to go, okay, we're even at the, like, as good as your backhand is, at best, you're probably even with Brandon Nakashima. And yet, again, Kudlow's ability to just do a bunch of different things, make the match physical, make the match a little funky as well. It was a great performance for him. He advances to his second career quarterfinal in his hometown event. You look at the bottom half of the draw. And again, I won't break down every match with too much depth, but huge week for the Sin Man. Yannick Sinner, 7-6-7-6. I think we are going to see him play Sebastian Corda multiple times over the next decade. And you look for Sinner and Corda. They're playing doubles together this week. Sinner was down 5-2, double break in the second set, but ends up coming back. It was it was broken tennis. It was not the cleanest play. And talking to Sinner in the post-match presser, and I tweeted out his comment. He said, very sunny, very difficult to see the ball cleanly through the first 30, 40 minutes of the match on court. And then, look... 5-2 is, he talked about it, it's not easy. Pull that out. It's a lot of pressure on you. Meanwhile, as the returner, you can play a really loose game and just kind of go big. And if you lose, well, okay, I lost. I was going to probably lose that set anyways. But if you make a couple of returns, you get that early break. Now, all of a sudden, you're serving at 3-5. You hold there. It's 4-5. Now, it's a nut-crunching moment. Now, things become that much more difficult. And again, credit to Yannick Sinner, who goes down swinging, goes down on his terms. And watching his ball in person... I mean, I've said it before. Well, I didn't, I didn't think Felix played particularly well this week, but Yannick Sinner passed the sonic boom test, watching and listening to the ball come off of his racket. Super, super special. Great win for the youngster. And he's the favorite tomorrow against Stevie Johnson. Stevie playing some great ball, and I had the chance to talk to him yesterday, but didn't f***ing record. It's an issue for another time. I apologize. We had some technical difficulties, we'll say, on site. That was my first interview of the day. First one-on-one of the tournament. I was crushed. Um, But, look, that happens. Thankfully, we figured out what went wrong, so we were able to fix it moving forward. But, look, Stevie's the man, and he's confident. He's healthy. I will say he pointed out, and for those of you who follow Stevie closely, his family, his daughter, who had surgery earlier this year, is feeling healthy, feeling great, and of course, that's wonderful to hear, and he talked about just how that peace of mind, the health and the well-being of his family has helped him regroup and play his best tennis. He talked about how he and Mark Lucero have been working tirelessly to on that return, and guess what? You look at the numbers, Stevie Johnson's break percentage, 19.2% over the last 52 weeks. That's the highest number of his career. Now, it would still be 45th amongst top 50 players when you're breaking serve less than one out of five times. You're probably not winning, you know, you're you're not a top 50 guy. That, that's pretty, pretty tough. Or you're not a top 40, top 30 guy. That's a tough number. And yet for Stevie, because he's always had so much success holding serve, that is a great, that, that's a great trend. That is a great development for Stevie Johnson. And again, you can just see that confidence he's playing with, whether it's from a fitness standpoint, having his legs back under him, swinging through that backhand a little bit more comfortably moving forward. He crushed Barankas 2-1 to advance to the quarterfinals. And then finally, John Millman, 3-6 and six win over Riley Opelka. And Jensen Brooksby, 6-3, 6-4 over Felix Ogier-Aliassime. It is another 
check mark in the check bo- or in the box of check marks to check off another thing another I don't know another litmus test another thing I suppose in the career young career of Jensen Brooks be another young success a young success another big success uh, for him he wins three and four yesterday I don't think he had his serve broken it was another one of those home homer days where his serving splits were you know he's making 70% of his first serves winning 70% of his first serve points 62% of his second serve points and it's so funny because you watch him play and you think well that serve is low-hanging fruit for him to get better and like I don't think that serve is where it needs to be right now you feel like as he plays better and better opponents they'll have opportunities to go after that ball then yet no you don't like it's death by high percentage I've said it repeatedly over the course of this week I've said it repeatedly throughout the course of this 2021 season and I know I talked about him a bunch yesterday I also went on the Inside In Tennis Channel podcast from our friend uh, you know obviously shout out as always to the Tennis Channel Podcast Network to talk about this fact he is death by high percentage tennis and you know his ability he doesn't generate pace as you know it's not the the ripped forehand of an FAA of a Rublev and yet if you throw pace at him he He's giving that pace right back to you, and he may add a little something-something on the back end as well. His ability to absorb and redirect without losing a step, without losing a mile per hour on the ball, super, super special. His ability to catch that backhand early, take it down the line, I think that is the trademark shot for him. But then again, as funky and as many moving parts as that forehand may have, it works. Seems to always catch it at exactly the right moment. The hands, you know, his volleys aren't pretty. His drop shots aren't pretty. But goddamn, are his hands fantastic. And just like, I, again, he's someone I was always told, you, you, when you're hitting a backhand volley, you never want to make a U motion. You never want to come across your body and just be like, you know, make the obvious, I, I'm doing it with my hands. I wish you all could see me. But the U across your body where your hands start up at your shoulder, they drop down to your hip, and then they end up at your right shoulder. That's just very handsy. It's a really difficult bo- uh, volley to hit, particularly when given pace. And yet, Brooksby makes it every time. Like, it's just... It's a joke, and there's a ping pong table near the media center. Your boy has been dominating the media circuit in terms of the ping pong rounds. And for those of you saying, oh, you're playing ping pong, you're not even doing your job, I promise you we do not touch the ping pong paddles until every match on the day has been completed, until all of the press conferences are done, but... The point being, one of my running jokes now on the ping pong table is every time I want to hit a slice, I'll go Brooksby, and I'll hit the little two-handed backhand slice in ping pong, and, you know, it gets a good laugh from the crowd, needless to say. So shout out to you, Jensen. Shout out to Jensen, who I I love the kid. I mean, I, I really do. I'm protective of him. My biases are clear because I just, I see the success, and he's been so kind to us here at Crack Rackets. He's been far too good for us. You're not going to find a more loyal kid, a more dedicated kid than Jensen Brooksby. If you have his back, he has your back. And I just, the crowd has his back now, and he's delivering for them. He embraces them. He knows when it's time to put the hands in the air, knows when it's time to get them engaged, and it's not fake. Everything he does, this is Jensen Brooksby. There is nothing phony about the kid. He is 100% tennis player, 100% competitor, and he's just really freaking good at this sport. And so, obviously, another huge win for him. He now, he's still not in the top 100. You make an ATP 250 final. You make a 500-level quarterfinal. You win multiple challengers. And yet, 
with the ranking protections, he is still only at number 115 in the live rankings. Now, one more victory for him, he gets into the top 100. He gets to number 99 in the world. That's where he belongs. I mean, you look at the live, uh, you look at the ELO rankings, I've mentioned it. He's been a top 35 guy really all season long, still is a top 35 in both overall ELO and 2021 specific ELO. You look at the ATP race, again, how many points have you accumulated since the start of the year compared to your Patriots Jensen Brooksby right now currently inside the top 55 of the ATP race he's number 54 and again He's been a top 50 guy here in 2021. I think we all agree. Plus, we've got the summer hardcourt stretch coming up, an opportunity for him uh, to play some really, really good tennis. I believe he just got a wild card. I don't think into... Where did he just get a wild card? I thought I saw it. Was it a qualifying wild card into the Rogers Cup? That feels about right. Uh, certainly, again, I think we all agree success is in the future for Jensen. And, you know, I tweeted it out and everyone was saying, oh, I think Court is the guy with the Grand Slam upside. I think Nakashima is going to be really, really solid. I don't know what to say about Brooksby. Well, Brooksby's the one who's last. Brooksby's the one who's still alive here at the 2021 City Open. And I think that's just the story of Jensen Brooksby. He is going to be ah, 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 staying alive throughout the course of his career. But again, those... That was a complete 30-minute City Open breakdown. That's where we were at on your round of 16 Thursday in terms of Friday's quarterfinals. It's Harris versus Nishikori. It's Mackie versus Kudla. Sinner versus Stevie J. Millman versus Jensen Brooksby. Millman, by the way, 3-6 and six win over Riley Opelka. That's a fun quarterfinal slate for me. Now, certainly, if you're Mark I and you're DC, you're like, ah. Oh, we would have loved to have a Rafa Nishikori. We would have loved to keep Rafa. And you did see a precipitous decline in the price for 2021 City Open tickets following Rafa's exit. But, I mean, look, it, I think a, a Brooksby-Sinner semifinal or like a Brooksby-Kudla final, I think, or Brooksby-Nishikori, I think there's a lot of fun permutations that for fans, I mean, I'm happy with all of them, but I think your, you know, your normies will certainly enjoy many of these matches as well. I, the idea of hometown kid Kudla taking on the young rising American star Brooksby, I think that's a spicy final as well. That could get the city open crowd pretty engaged, uh, pretty amped. But overall, again, it's been a really, really fun week in DC. Cannot give enough credit to Mark Ein, to Carlos Silva, who they have the women's exhibition events starting now as well. Unfortunately, Jen Brady having to pull out, but Vika, Coco Goff, and Jess Pagula playing some exhibition matches at night. It's a super, super fun time, and it's really, really great. So if you are in the greater D.C. area, what what do they call the D.C. area? There's a word for it. I forget. Uh, but anyways, if you're in the D.C. area, feel free to. Uh, you, you should. You should come to the City Open because it's an absolute freaking blast. And look, you know, again, I'm, I'm so grateful to uh, the entire City Open press team for dealing with my nonsense all week. Again, look out for all of that content on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Cracked Interviews podcast with as many players as we can down the home stretch, but should be a super, super exciting ending to this 2021 City Open. And speaking of super, super exciting endings, you know what's really, really anticlimactic? Let's say you are fully vaccinated. You are able to have a social life again. You're able to go out to the bars. You're able to just meet new people and maybe you're like me. You're, you know, you're single. You're ready to mingle. You're going out there. Well, I will tell you what will be an anticlimactic finish. If you are out at the bar, you've met someone that you are very fond of. The two of you agree, hey, we should take this to the next step. You want, you want to go home with one another, whatever it may be. And then, you know, things start getting funky. You're working your moves. You're in your, you know, you're, you're playing your plus one combos. You're doing all the things you do to have uh, some fun. And then, you know, things get serious. And she's like, what? 
that's what you look like below the waist. You don't take care of any of that. There's no grooming going on down there, and you're going to be embarrassed. But guess what? We here at Crack Rackets have a solution to ensure that that is never the case for any of our Crack Rackets listeners. And that, my friends, is where our friends at Manscaped come in. And you guys know the deal. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They're the champions of the world, and they offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They just launched the Next Generation Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that, right? Not the 1.0, not the 2.0, not the 3.0. We are ready for the 4.0. You can join the over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their below-the-waist grooming needs. If you use our exclusive offer right now, the promo code NEWBALLSPLEASE at Manscaped.com, you're going to get 20% off plus free worldwide shipping. Again, that's NEWBALLSPLEASE at Manscaped.com, 20% off with free worldwide shipping. I will also say this. You know what's really freaking gross? If you're using the same shaver on your face as you are below the waist, that's just... You're better than that. You're classier than that. You deserve more. That's where our friends at Manscaped come in. So again, manscaped.com. The promo code is new balls, please. 20% off and free shipping worldwide. Manscaped.com. New balls, please. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job. Manscaped.com. The promo code is new balls, please. With that said, I always feel awkward going from Manscaped ads to the WTA tour, so I do apologize for that. That's why I usually try to stick ladies first so I don't have to make the transition from talking about my men's below-the-waist grooming habits to the WTA tour. Nevertheless, I'm going to try and do it one more time here today as we talk about the action in San Jose. Hey, great shot. I had a tennis coach who used to say it had to rhyme every time. That's just how he would teach things to me. You know, no spin, no in, no win, all those different things. Um... And uh, you got to drop the tip and give it a flip. Uh, it's got to rhyme every time. I think uh, me telling all of you listeners this, hopefully right there, a light bulb just went out in your head and you're like, oh, that's why Alex is like he's like. Yeah, imagine being a 10 to 15-year-old and being told it's got to rhyme every time. You're going to come up with some stupid shit. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that's my brand, right, uh, <laughs> at this point. But anyways, you know, looking beyond, let's talk about the WTA events we did see, uh, we're seeing unfold this week. In particular, yesterday's action in San Jose was phenomenal. And I'm upset I didn't get to watch all of it from start to finish because we had four three-set round of 16 matches, all of them ultimately seeing our uh, seeds advance. It was Elisa Mertens, 6-2-4-6-6-4 over Kiki Mladenovic Mertens. Uh, again, she's super dangerous. Hasn't had a great season, but it's just been, she's beaten everyone she's supposed to beat, and she's lost to people who she's supposed to lose to. She is that litmus test. She's your top 20 litmus test. If you beat her, you probably have the skill set and the weapons to be a top 20 player. If you can't beat her, good luck, because it's only going to get tougher from there. Uh, now she's got an absolute battle, and again, speaking of top 50 litmus test players, Tom Janovich versus Putin save a super physical, super fun match. Putin save a 3-6-7-5-6-3 victory over Tom Janovich. Your other results on the day, Danielle Collins comes back from a set down. Spicy, spicy match against fellow American Sloane Stevens. 3-6-6-4-6-3-4. Collins. Elena Rabakina comes back from a set down against the dangerous and rising young American talent Claire Liu. 2-6-6-love-6-2 win for Rabakina. That sets up your quarterfinal round. Listen to these quarterfinals. Tell me that's not a poppin' WTA 500. You've got Mertens taking on Putin Seva. You've got Kasatkina taking on Magda Lynette, Anaconia 
taking on Shui Zhang, Danielle Collins taking on Elena Rabakina, five of your top eight seeds still alive at the 500. In particular, again, the power tennis of Rabakina. I did go back and watch her play Claire Lou because those are two of my, uh, two of the players I just think have super, super talent I think are going to be in the mix. Uh, certainly Rabakina perhaps more so than Lou, but I think we're going to be talking about Lou throughout these 2020s. Nevertheless, uh, the discipline from Rabakina to drop that first 6-2 first set, it reminds me of a Sabalenka match where it was like for 20 minutes, it just wasn't clicking for Rabakina, but then she let that, you know, like T-Swift, she shook it off, she approached the next set, got the bagel, and from there just found her rhythm was cruising, so I thought that was a really nice performance from her, I loved how competitive Colin Stevens was. I mean, a great contrast of styles, too, because Stevens trying to grind a little bit more. Collins going Mach 5 whenever the opportunity presented itself. That was a super, super fun match, and I think Collins getting over the hump in that third set, sort of the manifestation of the confidence she built with her successes on the European clay. She made, I believe, a semifinal and then won a title over there while others were playing the Olympics. So again, keep an eye on Danielle Collins as we enter the home stretch this uh, North American hardcourt summer. I mean... All these matchups are exciting. Wouldn't you love to see a power tennis matchup between Konya and Rabakina in the semifinals and, you know, Kasekina and Lynette? It's funny. You've got the power players on the bottom plus Shui Zhang. You've got Collins, Rabakina, Konya, and Shui Zhang. Then you've got the grinders up top. Mertens, Putinseva, Kasekina, Lynette. Fun contrast of styles. All players who are playing really good tennis here in 2021 should be a fun stretch. And again, I'm going to try and watch more San Jose here on Friday so I can provide you all a little bit more depth on what's happening this week on the WTA Tour. But of course, that's event number one here in North America. Event number two happening in Concord, Massachusetts, as we do have the WTA 125 event taking place there. You look at where we are at in the draw. Of course, quarterfinals set for Friday. You do have Katrina Scott, who's going to be, I believe, your number one seed at the USTA Girls 18s National Championships, which starts next week. She advances 166 Love 75 over Caroline Dalahide to, I believe, her first 125K WTA quarterfinal of her career. She's now going to have a very winnable match against Magdalena Frick, but Frick has been playing well and she earned another big win over Storm Sanders. As I mentioned at the start of the week, I thought Vera Zvonareva was your favorite entering the event. She advances to the quarterfinals, has yet to drop a set. She wins 3-4 and four over Lepchenko yesterday. She's now got Bokvadadze, who knocked off Friedman in 4-4. Four and four. You've got Buxa taking on Madison Brangle, and then Renata Zarazua taking on Suwe C. You have four of your top eight seeds still alive, uh, ex- and excuse me, four of your top nine seeds because the number one seed pulled out of the event prior to the start of the event, Ali Van Utvenik. But, you know, four, I suppose your uh, four of your top eight seeds and your top three seeds entering the event are uh, all still alive in the draw. So, you know, again, 24-7 tennis, that's what you're looking for. The action in Concord continues. You've also got action taking place in Romania. I'd be lying if I said I watched an, even a single ball hit in Romania thus far this week. I don't want to be disingenuous to you, but I will say this whenever there's a big college tennis tangent result. You know we're going to mention it at least briefly here at Crack Racket. Shout out to Meyer Sharif. She reaches the first 250 quarterfinal, uh, level quarterfinal of her career. I believe she was the first uh, woman from Egypt to make a 250 level quarterfinal as well. And just, I mean, again, 
She's playing some super, super tennis. 2-2 two and two win over top junior Alex Yela. She's now got Kristina Kutsova, and it's a winnable match considering Kutsova 2-6-7-6-7-6 yesterday over Barra. So that's just physical, physical tennis. You've also got Kristina Pliskova taking on Michaela Buznarescu, Shlomidova taking on uh, qualifier Alex Krunik, and then you've got Mendez, uh, Sion Mendez, the qualifier, taking on number two seed Andrea Petkovic. That's your action happening over in Romania. Quickly, in terms of the action on the ATP Challenger Tour, and again, I do apologize. I mentioned at the top it was going to be a City Open-centric podcast. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm in, uh, watching the most action day in, day out, but you do look some fun semifinals, quarterfinals set for the Challenger action. You look over in the Czech Republic. I'm recording this Friday morning. They've already played the quarterfinal matches, so your semifinals, Jaziri taking on Alex Mulcan. Mulcan's been one of the superstars of the Challenger Tour, but so has Thomas Macek, who is 7-6-6-4 over your old Meltzer. He has been, I think he's like 16-1 and one or 15-1. and one. Damian uh, Kust, our friend, p- p- tweeted this yesterday. 15-1 and one since the end of Wimbledon at the Challenger level. That's a jump, folks. He's got a really fun match tomorrow against Botik van de Sinskulp. I may get up early. Watch that one on livestream.com slash ATP so I can talk about it a little bit on this podcast tomorrow, but that's something to keep an eye on. You look at the other challenger happening this week in Italy. Uh, still a little bit behind there. Your only semifinalist thus far. Francisco Serendola, I believe I previewed all of those matches yesterday. I talked about them a little bit, but it's Trevaglia uh, versus Andrea Colarini. You've also got Echeverry versus Juan Pablo Varias, Mark Andre Husler versus Marcelo Tamos Varias Vera. That's your challenger action. That's where things stand. Entering this Friday in the professional tennis world, of course, as always, we will be keeping you up to date on all of the action happening over the course of the weekend. Guaranteeing you mini-break podcasts, certainly on Saturday. Just depends Sunday what time all of the action ends. If it ends early enough, I'll podcast. Or if it ends early enough, I may try and drive. I don't want to give away my next location because I may be on the road. I may drive to my next location uh, immediately if I, if it's not an early ending or if, you know, whatever, I have to stay in D.C. for another night, then you'll definitely have a podcast on Sunday. But if I'm doing some driving from Destination 1 to Destination 2, you may have to wait a little bit longer. But I promise you, you will have a podcast tomorrow morning. And again, if you have missed any of our coverage of the City Open, you can find it all on the website, crackrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, The Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interview. Views podcast and all of our CR shows. If you need the more immediate update, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly? I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all that said, for our super producers, Fligder and Westoff, our friends over at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.